Hello, everyone, and welcome to OHSCA Interviews. I'm Vincenzo Calla, and I'm your host for today's episode. Today, I'm happy to have with me a CPC leadership candidate and the former Premier of Quebec, the Honorable Jean Chouret. Jean was first elected to the House of Commons in 1984 at the age of 26. Two years later, in 1986, Prime Minister Brian Mulroney appointed him to be the Minister of State for Youth, making him the youngest cabinet member ever at that time at the age of 28. Jean served in, uh, as the Deputy Prime Minister under PM Kim Campbell and then became PC leader in 1995. In 1998, Jean joined Quebec politics and in 2003, he was elected as Premier of Quebec, a post in which he served until 2012. Currently, before uh, the leadership race, Jean is a partner at McCarthy Tetro LLP. Thank you, Jean, for your time, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Vincenzo. We're glad to have you here today, and we're going to start off with the question and answer segment, as always, and these questions are all asked by members of our high school team. So the first question is... Why have you decided that this time right now is the right time for you to run for CPC leader? What can you do to reach out to all types of conservatives to convince them to vote for you? Well, I, I chose to run Vincenzo because the uh, idea of Canada has been the common thread of my whole political uh, life and, and my personal life, in fact. And uh, I fought very hard in the 1995 referendum where we almost uh, lost the country. I mean, the, the outcome of the vote in the 95 referendum was very, very, very tight. Only 50,000 votes separated us from uh, winning or losing uh, the country. And then in, uh, in 1997, I led the Conservative Party back to uh, recognition in the House of Commons because in 93, we lost the federal election campaign and there were only two members of parliament left from the Conservative caucus, only two. And I was the only one reelected. So in 1997, after the referendum, and the referendum established one important reality that we were the Conservatives, the only national alternative to the Liberal Party of Canada. So we went from two to 20, but then in 1998, I was drafted to go out and lead the Liberal Party of Quebec, which was a coalition party of federalists to push back on Lucien Bouchard's project to hold a third referendum, which I did successfully. And, uh, and then I went on to become uh, Premier of Quebec and won three consecutive election campaigns in, uh, in 03, 07, 08. And now I'm running because the, the country is badly divided, balkanized. And the Conservative Party of Canada, Vincenzo, has a role. We are a national party. Canadians want us to be a national political party, able to bridge all the regions of Canada, whether it's between Quebec and Alberta and Ontario. That's what they expect from us. But right now, the party's very divided. I, I want to become a leader who's going to be able to unite the party. And with conservatives who are of all uh, tendencies or whatever their origins are, because we are all conservatives, period. We all espouse the same basic uh, values of fiscal conservatism, market-based economy, uh, econ economic policies that promote growth and give families more income, uh, family policies. We, uh, among our values is the rule of law and the respect of law and order and the, the way we practice federalism. 
So those are the things that I believe in, that I want our party to be able to promote. And I am the candidate who is going to be able to win a national election campaign and allow the Conservatives to be a national political party and a national government. Well, that's a great reason for running. I mean, I know that when I was writing your bio up, you have a very long resume of, of different uh, being in federal and provincial politics and being able to to be well being able to unite a party and to lead a party to an election victory is obviously something that every single person that will be on the ballot will obviously want to do hopefully yeah. will want to do unite the party and lead to a successful majority government and i think that yeah you're you're right like it's important that we reach out to all uh conservatives i mean we're a big base but united we can win and it's just so that's the way it is we can win so that's and that's and, the beauty know, of our party vincenzo conservatives don't want to be hyphenated conservatives and this is and a political party is like a living is a living institution that evolves through time and through every leader every leader leaves their mark and, and you know for example stephen harper was a very strong prime minister who left a very important legacy, an economic legacy to the country. And uh, that certainly allowed Mr. Trudeau to spend like never before uh, during the COVID period. And so the party evolves through time and the new leader will take the party as is. But I don't wanna lead a party of hyphenated conservatives. I mean, we are all just conservatives, period. That is so true. And I mean, that's really what we need to, to any leader, if it's you or somebody else, it's that's something that we need to know and that we need to treat everybody the same. We are all one conservative. And that's just something that I've always pushed for and reminded people of throughout the throughout since the beginning of myself being a conservative. So we're going to go into the next question. This is a bit uh, this is something that has been surrounding us. And we, uh, Mackenzie from Burlington wanted to ask you, how would you respond to the war in Ukraine if you're prime minister? And would you support NATO intervention as a Canadian politician? Well, we need to support the people from Ukraine in, in different ways. This war, by the way, is heartbreaking. I mean, it's heartbreaking for all of us. And uh, every night when we see the news, I mean, you, you, you just want to you know, to be able to help and do more for the people who are refugees and the people who are fighting for their freedoms and for the basic values that you and I share and that we believe in. I mean, this is what this war is also all about, the sovereignty of a country, but also its basic freedoms. And so Canada should support in uh, with military equipment in any way it can, uh, the people of Ukraine. It has done some, but I'm, I'm sorry to report that because this liberal government has been so derelict in dealing with government procurement and government equipment that we're not able to give them everything or, or, or as much equipment as we, we could or we should at least. The other thing we need to do is support them financially so that they have uh, resources to be able to maintain uh, their services in the country and, and be able to support the people of Ukraine. The third thing we should do is uh, support refugees who are in now in great numbers in Poland, but also in Moldova and other countries. And we should support the Polish uh, government <coughs> and the refugees. And supporting the refugees, Vincenzo, means different things. I mean, in certain cases, they may choose to come to Canada. 
for a brief period of time or an extended period of time because they, they need a safe haven before they return home. In other cases, they may choose to come to Canada and that we have to respect that choice and we shouldn't pressure them in one way or the other. We should be respectful of what their own needs uh, are. And so that's part of also what, what we should be doing. And finally, uh, the fourth thing is to work with our NATO allies. And Canada cannot act alone in this military theater. We, we need to be uh, with our NATO allies in, uh, in maintaining uh, the defense positions that we're maintaining. So those are the four things that I see out there. Well, that's well said. And I mean, I think that Canada has done an okay job so far in supporting Ukraine, but there's just so much more that could be done. And, uh, and, and, yeah. and there's lessons to be drawn. I mean, had we developed our oil and gas resources to the point where we could export them to either Europe or to Asia through pipelines, <clears throat> we would be an alternative to Europe in uh, supplying them with oil and gas. One of the cruel parts of this conflict, Vincenzo, is that Europe, by, by, by buying oil and gas from uh, Russia, is actually helping to finance Russia's intervention and war on, on the Ukraine. I mean, it's... It's a terrible situation. And if Canada had got its act together, we would be able to export oil and gas to Europe and be an alternative uh, supplier and, and be even more helpful, as we could be more helpful with the military equipment had we, had we not neglected over the years to, uh, to equip our military and, and have enough resources to be able to help out. Well, definitely. And I mean, military spending under this government is a whole other issue on its own and a whole other and a whole other conversation on its own. I'm sure we could sit here for another interview and just talk about the military next steps in Canada and what we need to do for to support our military. But really, you hit a lot of good points there, making sure that going forward, we need to continue our oil and ga gas supply. I know that in a world where we're trying to get away from oil and gas, Obviously, mining for oil and gas is not the best for our environment, but in the meantime, it's not going away. So why not go for clean Canadian oil instead of paying Russia for it while we're trying to find a way to transition? So that's just that's just another thing that we could be doing and we could be supporting Ukraine by doing that and providing that alternative, like you said. So yeah. we're going to go into the third question which is, I don't want to reflect too much on what other party leaders have done, but what would you do differently in comparison to past party leaders, successful and unsuccessful, in order to be successful in an election and become prime minister, should you be chosen as leader in September? And, and I meant, as I mentioned a moment ago, you know, a political party is a living institution. It evolves through time and circumstances. Every leader leaves their mark. And so the new leader, Vincenzo, will take the party as is. It's not about returning in time, by the way. I mean, it's not as though, you know, you become leader and you want to return to something that existed before, because that is, it is not what we're going to do. We need to look ahead. And then looking ahead and drawing lessons, what are the things that we need to do in the next election campaign that we were not successful? More broader support in urban areas like the GTA in Ontario or the lower mainland in British Columbia. We need more support coming out of Quebec where there's 78 ridings. We had 10 of them now and we could get a lot more. In fact, there's 32 ridings that are occupied by the separatist bloc Quebecois. 
well, Vincenzo, I become leader. Those writings are going to be conservatives. And what that means is that not only are we going to form a government, we're going to form a national government with a national majority. The next leader needs to speak of building the bridge between East and West. We are the party that can do that. We are the only political party, Vincenzo, who can unite the country in one national government. And Canadians know that. Canadians want that. Quebecers want that. Ontarians, Albertans, all of them, all of us want that to happen. And if we do that, then Canada will be stronger, we'll be able to get more things done, and we'll be able to make, 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 do big things, actually. And I've seen it. I've seen it before in governments. So those are among the things we need to do. There's two issues we need to address very, uh, with very good policy if we're going to be successful. One of them is immigration. In, in, in the urban areas of Canada, the Canadians need to know, new Canadians need to know that this party is a party that welcomes them that it is a party that has a, a vision of what immigration could be. And my own view of this is that we should be the place where people with talent want to come to all over the world, whether it's professionals, skills, people, students, for example. I want Canada to be a country where foreign students will want to study. And you know what? If they come to Canada, they study here, they get a diploma, we should put them on a fast track for citizenship and offer them to stay in the country. And the other thing we need to deal with is climate. This party, Vincenzo, needs to have a climate policy that is going to be credible. If we don't, we're not going to win government. Forget it. And a climate policy that's credible means supporting carbon capture and storage, supporting hydrogen, whether blue or gray, biofuels, small modular reactors, alternative energies, all things that are economically intelligent and good on themselves, but also we need to put a price on carbon. We need to make sure that it doesn't discriminate against rural Canadians or is a wealth transfer tax, but also make it smart and intelligent. And Vincenzo, if we don't get the climate policy right, we're not gonna get elected. We're not, uh, and we don't get the immigration part right, we're not gonna get elected. Those are the things that I wanna do. Well, those are a lot of fantastic ideas. And I think you hit it really well on the climate plan. I mean, I think that last time there was a lot of hesitation, especially by a lot of urban voters to vote conservative over when it came to our climate plan. I think that uh, we had a good climate plan last time, but I think we can do even more to sort of promote that more and show that there is a conservative side to a credible environment plan. You can have a credible environment plan and be a conservative and have a conservative party that believes in the environment and we've i've said this on the show before with uh i don't remember who it was but a a candidate last year in the last election how it's in our name conserve we need to conserve the environment we need to conserve canada and canada has so many regions so many terrains that we are one of the most beautiful countries in the world for a vast array of environments and we need to protect that We need to. And you know what? This party has a real, a very strong record on the environment. This is the political party that did the Montreal Protocol, which is the most successful environmental treaty in the world. This was a protocol that was done with economic instruments in 1987 to uh, reduce CFCs and HCFCs that were uh, one of the main causes of the depletion of the ozone layer. And the other thing we did was the Clean Air Act in 1990 
to reduce SO2 emissions. Another very successful treaty between Canada and the United States. We have a record, Vincenzo, of actually getting things done. The Liberals talk, they virtue signal. They, uh, you know, they talk about the environment. We're a political party that actually delivers. Well, especially, I'm, it wouldn't be one of my interviews if I don't bring this up. Your prime, uh, the prime minister you served under, Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, who is one of my, who is my favorite, one of my favorites uh, prime ministers in Canadian history, had such a strong record, and your government there had such a strong record on the environment in the eighties, in in the eighties, having that strong record of preserving Canadian environment and and doing things as a progressive conservative party, as a conservative party to protect the environment before it was a buzzword. Well, we and we did. I was at the first meeting, I think it was 1987, of the creation of the uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And then uh, I was in Rio in 1992 as the head of the delegation for Canada, as the Minister of Environment for Canada, and Mr. Mulroney's government. And it's in 92 that we signed the Climate Change Convention that has now led to all these, uh, these COP meetings that were held. But you know, when we did it, Vincenzo, we had industry with us at the table. The oil and gas industry there were there. The provinces were with us at the table, even cities. Because on the environment, if you want to be successful, if you actually want to get things done, you need to work with industry. You can't, in this federal system of government, you can't order it from up high because you're not going to be successful. So you have to do it with industry. You have to do it with the provinces. You have to adapt your policy to the different circumstances of the provinces. And, uh, and that's what we did when we were in government. And that's what we'll do in the future that's different from the Liberals. And, and to tell you how that real, it reson how it resonates with me, when I was Premier of Quebec, we did the carbon trading system with California. And it's adapted to Quebec and the people in Quebec support it. So there's a solution that's made to measure for one province that may not be the same for another province. But there, there is how our federal system works if you get it right. Well, for sure. And I mean, I think that this discussion we're having is so important, talking about the environment and something going forward that we, we do need to work on. And I think that these are great ideas, bringing them forward and, and talking about our history and looking at our history and adapting to today. And, and like you said, having everybody at the table, because after all, we all share the same environment and everybody yes. has their own ideas and the more ideas that come together the more people it suits and let more people when it comes to talking about our future is always better than less so we're going to move on to question four and for question four we are doing something new today for this interview we have one of our members brandon lee who has now gone on to study at the university of ottawa and he will be asking mr Shrey a question in french brandon take it away Okay. Ben, merci beaucoup, Vincenzo. Et bonjour, M. Charest. C'est un plaisir de vous rencontrer. Bonjour, Brandon. Bonjour. Alors, regarde, mon... c'est un petit peu d'un loaded question qu'on dit en anglais, mais <rire> on va essayer. OK, alors, mon question, ben, juste un petit peu de contexte. On voit beaucoup que, vraiment, sur, sur les médias sociaux, il y a beaucoup de membres, il y a beaucoup de personnes, il y a beaucoup de conservateurs qui disent qu'ils, vraiment, ils ne veulent pas un autre premier ministre du Québec parce que, comme on voit avec M. Trudeau, ça semble que tous les premiers ministres du Québec, ils travaillent juste pour les intérêts des Québécois et Québécoises. Mais on, en même temps, on sait vraiment qu'il y a beaucoup de conservateurs, et on sait qu'en Québec, comme tu disais avant dans, dans l'interview ici, qu'on n'a pas vraiment beaucoup de sièges en Québec, on a juste 10. Ouais. Et on n'est pas vraiment comme 
populaire, comme on dirait, avec les francophones en Québec, mais aussi dans l'Est de l'Ontario et dans l'Ottawa. Alors, mon question pour vous est vraiment tout simplement, comment peux-tu expliquer aux membres que vous n'êtes pas juste une autre politicien québécois et comment allez-vous, comme chef du Parti conservateur, aller chercher le soutien des francophones? Brandon, votre question, elle est euh, très pertinente. C'est un questionnement qui, qui est là, qui existe pour des gens qui habitent à l'extérieur du Québec. Et, et, et juste pour remettre la course dans son contexte, moi, je suis candidat parce que j'ai une conviction profonde sur le Canada. Et mon parcours en témoigne. En 1995, j'ai combattu le référendum sur la séparation du Québec alors que j'étais chef conservateur. Et après ça, en 1998, je suis allé comme chef du Parti libéral du Québec, qui est une coalition de fédéralistes. Et, euh, et nous avons réussi à repousser le projet de référendum qu'avait le gouvernement de Lucien Bouchard, ce qui a permis au pays de respirer, de retrouver ses repères et, euh, et de rebondir. Et, et ça a été l'histoire de ma vie. Alors, je suis un candidat conservateur, euh, point, avec des valeurs conservatrices, les valeurs conservatrices d'être euh, conservateur sur le plan fiscal, de conviction sur une économie de marché, des politiques qui font croître l'économie, mais également les revenus des familles, de soutien aux familles, également le respect de la loi et l'ordre et le respect de la règle de droit et un fédéralisme qui respecte les compétences des provinces. Alors, je veux être, je veux être un chef pour tout le pays et je serai un chef pour tout le pays. Et les idées que j'ai défendues toute ma vie, Brandon, ont été des, des idées qui sont des idées qui sont acceptées à travers tout le Canada, que ce soit l'avenir la, de nos ressources naturelles, le secteur minier, pétrole, gaz, pipeline. Enfin, c'est la personne que je suis et que j'offre. Alors, c'est la réponse, mais c'est une réponse qui est très authentique et, et qui est collée à ma vie et à ma personne. OK. Euh, juste, juste pour être sûr, parce que tu as répondu à mon première partie de question, mais pas vraiment au deuxième. Comment est-ce qu'on peut ah. chercher les soutiens des francophones dans tout le pays? Ça, c'était la deuxième partie. Ben, je, vais, je vais aller chercher le soutien des francophones avec, euh, les, encore une fois, avec une feuille de route qui, sur la question des francophones, à la, à la fois à l'intérieur du Québec, bien sûr, mais à l'extérieur, a toujours été en soutien aux minorités linguistiques à, à travers tout le Canada. Alors là-dessus euh, aussi, mes convictions sont, sont très profondes. Mais je pense, Brandon, qu'ultimement, les francophones, peu importe là où ils habitent, veulent, comme les Ontariens, comme les Albertains, ils, ils sont, ils sont en, en appétit, ils veulent un gouvernement national. On veut que le pays réussisse, on veut que ça marche. Mais nous savons d'instinct que le Canada ne peut réussir que dans la mesure où il y a un gouvernement national. Et actuellement, nous sommes divisés. On est très divisé, balkanisé. J'ai rarement vu le pays aussi balkanisé qu'il l'est actuellement. Alors, les gens qui sont autour de nous, ça inclut les francophones, se tournent vers le Parti conservateur puis se posent la question suivante. Qui, qui va être un parti national? Quel parti va répondre à, à notre attente d'avoir un gouvernement national? Puis c'est nous. Et c'est moi qui peux être le chef de ce parti-là pour l'unir, mais également gagner un gouvernement national où toutes les régions seront présentes francophones, anglophones seront également euh, présents. Ça, ça c'était ce que je voulais entendre, parce qu'on on sait vraiment que depuis longtemps, les francophones, le Québec, ça semble que les conservateurs, ils sont là les conservateurs, on est, on est là dans la province. Mais le problème, c'est qu'on n'est on pas là pour tout le monde, il y a des fois, je dirais. Euh, 
on, on doit être là pour tout le monde. On doit être là pour tout le pays. Ça ne ouais. ça, ça dit rien si on est ontarien, albertain, <rire> saskatchewanien, québécois, n'importe où. Et il faut, faut que le chef du parti nous, nous rallie, nous rassemble. C'est le travail du chef. Ça, c'est le chef qui doit faire ça. Et le chef, avec son caucus, avec les membres du parti, doit justement présenter cette vision cohérente. Mais cette, euh, cette invitation au rassemblement que vous venez d'exprimer, c'est euh, la responsabilité du chef du parti. Et je suis celui qui peut rassembler le parti et qui, euh, après, pourra rassembler le pays. Ouais. Et, mais regarde, ça, c'est qu ce que toi, tu veux dire dans, toutes les, dans, dans, dans le cours de chefferie, puis on va voir si les membres, ils te croient en toi. Mais, mais juste un, un petit question suivi, juste pour un petit, un petit, un petit peu de fun. Quand tu es sur le chef du parti, est-ce que tu veux être, à, te présenter dans Sherbrooke? Ah. C'est une petite question pour moi. Mais là, vous prenez de l'avance, là, Brandon. Ouais. D'abord, quand je deviens chef du parti, évidemment, je n'ai pas de siège à la Chambre des communes. La tradition veut qu'un député cède son siège, un député de notre caucus cède son siège pour que je puisse entrer à la Chambre et, euh, et être chef de l'opposition à la Chambre des communes. Euh, on, on verra rendu à cette étape, lorsque je deviendrai chef, euh, vers quelle circonscription j'irai. Le comté de Sherbrooke n'est pas représenté par les conservateurs actuellement. Après ça, à l'élection générale, euh, je prendrai une décision sur la circonscription que je choisirai. Et là, bon, on prend ça une étape à la fois. Mais oui. inutile de vous dire que je suis très attaché à ma région natale des cantons de l'Est. C'est là où j'ai grandi. C'est la région qui m'a fait, en quelque sorte et qui m'a donné ma, ma perspective sur la vie et sur la politique. Alors, en ce sens-là, je suis très, très attaché à ma région des cantons de l'Est. <rire> Merci beaucoup, M. Charles, pour parler à nos membres un petit peu en français. C'est très important qu'on on, on grandisse un petit peu pour, pour être très inclusif à les francophones et les anglophones. Alors, merci beaucoup, M. Charest, et bonne campagne. Merci, Brandon. Au revoir. Au revoir. We will be moving on to Advice for the Next Generation, where we'll be talking about youth involvement in politics and more. What do you think young high school conservatives can do to get more politically active and one piece of advice that you would like to give them? Well, Vincenzo, let, let me share uh, uh, an observation that I made. You know, if you are looking for who is going to be leaders in our community in 15 or 20 years from now, go and just go and see who is on the, uh, the executives or involved in the leadership of the Ontario uh, High School uh, Conservative Association, or even, you know, uh, even the uh, student councils of high schools. I mean, they are the young people who are going to be in leadership positions in 15 or 20 years from now. So you are already uh, on your path to uh, that involvement. I encourage you to uh, get involved with your writing associations, to be part of campaigns and, and have fun doing it, by the way, because it's a lot of fun to be able to get involved in a campaign, the door knocking and the uh, and identifying voters and And, and, and just being around the campaign, it will allow you to learn a lot about leadership, about how things get done and how democracy works. And some of you may be interested in running one day. Well, you should, you know, you should, why not? And, uh, and, and running is a question of timing. Who knows, it may arrive early in your life. It may arrive a little later. It doesn't count. There is no age, by the way. You're never you're too young but you're never too old either. I mean, it's not a question of age. It's a question of what you have in your heart and what you have in your belly. 
and whether you have that fire that burns and you want to be out there. So uh, I, I encourage all of you to get involved and, uh, and you're going to find around you a very stimulating environment of young people like yourself, with whom you'll probably strike friendships that will last a lifetime. Well, for sure. And we've had so many people on our show. I think you're episode 15 of this season. And I want to say you're probably actually the 43rd or 44th interview we've had on our show. And we've asked this question to everybody. And it's just so important that we get involved in any way we can. And whether we want to run, like you said, or not want to run or just enjoy it as a hobby, it's just such a great way to get involved. You can't get any better than getting involved on the grassroots, like in your EDAs, your your writing associations to start that discussion, going to leadership conventions or uh, policy conventions and sharing those thoughts that you have, because this is our country. We all share this country and we're all going to be, um, we all have a voice and by getting involved in politics, you have a voice in what is happening now and what will be happening in the future. So, Thank you, Jean, for your time today. We really appreciate you being with us. We wish you well in the future. We wish you well in your campaign, especially as we're starting to build up into the coming months leading up to September. And that is it. We hope you enjoyed today's interview. You can look for more videos coming soon. We hope to bring you some more great interviews with, with um, lots of great conservatives. Thank you all for joining us. Vincenzo, yeah. if you want to become a member and anyone listening, go to jeancharret.ca and become members before the 3rd of June and vote for my campaign. Thank you, Vincenzo. Thank you, Mr. Charret. And make sure to follow our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok accounts, Ontario HS Cons for info and for more great content. Make sure to check out our website, ontariohsconservatives.org to learn more about us, see our projects, and for more great content. Jean, we'll put your, your website in our bio below so people can go to your website if they are interested in your campaign. YouTube viewers, make sure to look at, like this video, subscribe to our channel, and click notification bell. Podcast listeners, make sure to follow us and stay updated with new episodes. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Mr. Sherry, for joining us. And we hope to see you all soon.